Good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Armchair Black Belts podcast. Carter, alongside Andreas, for our uh, second week. Uh, going strong here. This is the podcast uh, previewing UFC 260, Miocic versus Ngannou. First of all, Andreas, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Carter. Getting excited. The heavyweights, the heavyweights are always, uh, always the most like like the most exciting part of the UFC. I personally feel it's just like you know, the the two baddest men on the planet getting ready to duke it out. So, I agree, man. Very very few fights, um, title fights at heavyweight are are not exciting, right? I mean, especially with the last three between DC. And uh, DC and Miocic, I mean, those were just absolutely amazing fights. And so I'm really excited to see the uh, the rematch between Miocic and Ngannou. Um, we're recording this on Friday night, so it'll be tomorrow night, but uh, you'll be listening to this on Saturday. Uh, so tonight, yeah, I'm really excited for that. Um, basically, we're going to talk about some recent news before we hop into the main card, but we'll talk about all the fights in the main card and pre- preview those for you guys and give them... Um, give, uh, our picks out to see, you know, what Andreas, uh, what Andreas thinks, who Andreas thinks is going to win, and who I think is going to win. Um, but recent news, beginning with Misha Tate, uh, she announced that she is returning to the UFC. Of course, her last loss came to Amanda Nunes when she lost the title um, in the first round after winning against Holly Holm. Um, so, former UFC bantamweight champion announces she is returning to the UFC. Um, what's your take on this, Andreas? Oh wait! I, I just want to correct one thing. Uh, apparently, her last fight, her last loss, was actually to Raquel Pennington at UFC 205, and the loss previous to that was Amanda Nunes. Thank you, thank you for that. Um, yeah, that I mean, sense, yeah. like super excited because you know you always like to see the most skilled fighters in uh like fighting. You know, you like you don't like to see the talent go to waste, and it's just nice to see her back. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, she's a legend of the sport, really. Like the the, the rivalry she had with Ronda Rousey, um, the rivalry uh, that I guess she had with Holly Holm a little bit. Um, you know, just she had some amazing fights in her career. The Holly Holm one definitely comes to mind. And I'd be interested to see, given the fact that her last fight was in 2016, if she can still compete with these ladies. I mean, the Bantamweight division right now, or really all the women's divisions with the exception of Featherweight, are filled with killers. I mean, the, the, the female divisions in the UFC have really taken off in recent years since uh, since Misha has been off. So I'm interested to see how she competes. And I hope that she's been training uh, because it would be disappointing to see her come back and give us a subpar performance. But regardless, uh, definitely some interesting news and worth mentioning. Um, next on the docket here. So it was announced that this week that, uh, similar to our speculation last week, that Dustin Poirier actually did decline the Oliveira fight. That would be the fight for the lightweight title uh, title fight. Um, he declined that against Oliveira, and of course the UFC went and made the Oliveira versus Chandler fight, and Dustin Poirier is going to be fighting Conor McGregor at some point this year. It's unannounced yet, but that's the fight that they're looking to make. It's just a matter of finding a date. Um, you think DP made the, the right choice here, Andreas? Of course. I- I love Dustin Poirier. I love what he stands for. It just seems like like the move this move is like a personal move because he feels like he doesn't need to prove anything else to anyone and I don't think he uh personally does. He he's going obviously for the money. Um 
nothing against the guy because he's been fighting in that division forever and he's tr been trying to build his like build his way up like since the beginning so like seeing him finally get the the paydays that he deserves is just it's just a great thing to see so yeah well, yeah I, I couldn't couldn't have said it better myself i think get the bag man i mean a fight get with conor mcgregor exactly a fight with conor mcgregor um is going to be much more financially uh, financially beneficial than, than even winning the title these days, which is crazy because winning the title can change a lot of fighters' lives. It's just <laughs> Connor, uh, especially after Dustin winning that last fight, uh, a fight with Connor can you know change your life. It's the red panties night, so to speak. And um, yeah, yeah, I think he definitely made the right decision. Uh, so no surprises that um, that that was the case that he was offered the Oliveira fight and and declined. But I think he made the right call. The belt um, takes a backseat to uh, Connor McGregor, man. He, it's just. <laughs> It's just how it is. It's just how it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you think about Floyd. I mean, now he's really winning. Yeah, I think Floyd's always been that guy that's been willing to take a fight with anyone for, for a paycheck. But, you know, he did risk a lot. But a fight with Conor McGregor when you're potentially going to make $200 million, I mean, of course you're going to take that, right? So it's the same thing with DP. Like, get the bag. Um, and our last story this week actually quite a quite a weird one and i'll have to link uh, an external article for people to look into more of what was said but uh, israel adesanya made some comments on instagram toward another fighter kevin holland that we spoke about last week um and used some very ill-advised uh terminology to uh to insult kevin holland and had a bmw sponsorship line up lined up in new zealand he actually hadn't done any promotional content with them yet from what I understand, um, but he was since dropped by BMW um, as a, as a sponsor. So um, I'll definitely have to link that article uh, that talks about the specific terminology he used. I will not say it on the podcast, um, but yeah, uh, interesting to see from Izzy, kind of unprofessional and, and not necessarily like him. Uh, I would like to say that, like, I'm completely surprised. Like, I am surprised that this happened, but looking at like some of his past interactions online specifically with john jones it's you know it kind of adds up you know there's a little breadcrumb trail there but de de definitely unexpected in the in the current uh in the current time and very strange <laughs> like i i don't even know what to say it was just it was just out of left field i think i think the verbiage he definitely could have worded it better. At the end of the day, he's a fighter. He's you know he's an e egotistical guy, as uh, as we as we like to say, um, and he's competitor. Uh, so I don't think it's out of the ordinary because we've seen Izzy in the past make plenty of memes and, and insulting like comments over the media about his opponents. Of course, um, maybe he'll think twice next time about the way he does that. But uh, yeah, unfortunate um, he used that 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 uh, word and unfortunate that he lost the sponsorship uh although pretty professional guy to begin with and i don't think he meant he meant it in a, a literal sense obviously he meant it no, in a figurative no. sense but uh, regardless had to mention that because it was kind of uh the biggest news this week but other than that i don't think there's really anything um too too relevant that we need to get into so how about we hop right into this main card yes sir great um so the, this card 
to preface this, obviously we've had some fight cancellations. The Volkanovski and Ortega won the, the largest of note, but I believe this card has had five or six fights canceled. Um, so been through a lot of changing, and the card has changed quite a bit. Luckily, as long as nobody gets injured tomorrow, I believe everybody made weight, so we're all set in the fights that uh, we're about to talk about um, that are going to go on tonight, instead of like last week when a fight got canceled the day after. But um, <laughs> the, the first card, or the first uh, fight off the card we're going to talk about is Jamie Malarkey versus Kama Worthy. Uh, Jamie Malarkey is a 12 and 4 fighter with a, in a two fight losing streak in the UFC. He's also never won in the UFC. Kama Worthy um, just lost his first fight in the UFC against uh, Azaitar in September 2020. And prior to that, was on a seven fight win streak um, before losing to him. Uh, last year. So uh, a couple up-and-coming prospects and your thoughts about this fight. Uh, sorry, just a, just another correction. Akama Worthy had two other fights in the UFC as well. So he had three total fights. Um, right, I meant, uh, maybe I misspoke. I meant that was his only loss in the UFC. Yeah, his first yeah. loss in the UFC. I mean, other than that other than that loss, Akama uh, Worthy has been looking good. Um, he w- he was on a roll before that, so hopefully this is just uh, a bump in the road for him because he he shows great promise. Uh, for for Jamie Malarkey, Jamie Malarkey, it's it's a little rough. It's a little rough because three fights could get you uh, three fights uh, lost in the UFC could get you cut. It's kind of a uh, uh, like an unwritten uh number uh, yeah. obviously depending the fighter uh, like Conor McGregor would never get cut from the UFC after three fights but aside from that it's a you know he's in uh he, he's in there fighting for his career so hopefully he can sh- he can uh show a little fire in there yeah I agree um yeah I think the three fights um you know you, you have three fights in the UFC you lose all three of them that is kind of like an unwritten rule like you were saying uh that you know you get you get dropped it's a little dangerous exactly right you know Conor McGregor if he came into the UFC and lost the first three fights that he uh that he took he probably would have been uh would have been um dropped by the UFC as well so hope to see Malarkey um, show up and at least give a performance, even if he doesn't win, worthy of a contract of extension. Of course, we want to make get these guys to make the most money as possible, but um, that's definitely interesting. That uh, it'll be his third fight um, and could be uh, in, in his third fight in as many losses in the UFC. Uh, one thing interesting about Malarkey, he's actually, I believe he's Australian. Could be incorrect in saying that. He lost to Alex Volkanovski um, in one of the Australian promotions in a while ago, before Volkanovski was in the UFC. He lost by KO and a, by punch, so I'm not sure if he used to fight at featherweight. There's actually no details about that online because of these smaller shows. You know, sometimes they just don't uh, don't actually report um, which weight class it actually was. So he may be a, a smaller guy fighting in a, a larger division, or it was just that Volkanovski was fighting in lightweight at the time, but interesting tidbit of information. And if Volkanovski was still fighting, he would have been fighting on the undercard of somebody he had lost to previously, but uh, very different career paths for those two gentlemen. That's for sure. Uh, regardless, the betting lines stand at uh, worthy at a minus one thirty favorite and Malarkey at a plus 100 underdog kind of reflecting, you know, that their recent performances, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, if I were to give a prediction uh, based on uh, based on the information we just we just spoke about, and, and Worthy being uh, a striker, 
Um, Malarkey, haven't seen too much of him fight. I, I would probably go by worthy by first or second round TKO. I completely agree. Um, it doesn't seem that uh, Jamie Malarkey's getting any submissions. It seems he's getting more KOs slash TKOs. So it just seems that uh, Worthy's better than that department. So that's what I'm going for. Exactly. Anything can happen, but uh, Worthy's definitely got a more proven track record in that exactly. regard, especially against higher level competition as well with those few wins in the UFC. Yep. Um, on to the next fight. Jillian Robertson faces off against uh, new contender at the flyweight division, Miranda Maverick. Um, this is an interesting fight because Robertson, we've seen her in the UFC for quite a while. Um, she's at a record of nine wins and five losses, Maverick at 10 and two. And they're both kind of ground specialists. Uh, Robertson with a 67% sub rate, that means 67% of her wins came by submission and Maverick at 60%. So they both seem to submit their opponents quite a bit. Uh, whereas Maverick doesn't actually take down her opponents, or at least in the UFC, with a zero takedown average, and Robertson goes for that uh, that double leg or single leg at a 2.64 uh, per fight, an average of 2.64 takedowns per fight. So um, interesting here. Either, Mara- either Maverick is hurting people on the feet and then subbing them uh, after they're hurt, or uh, or she just hasn't taken anybody down in the UFC yet, but it seems like they're going to both be clashing. Um, in each other's wheelhouse. So curious yep. to hear your thoughts on this fight. I mean, it's just going to be, they're going to go to the ground and we're just going to see who, who is like, who's superior. Maybe, maybe not, maybe not. Maybe uh, the, they'll actually both decide to, uh, just to stand because that, that, that's, that's a true, uh, that's a true factor that both, that both of them have a, uh, great ground game so maybe they don't want to go into each other's uh wheelhouse and they just duke it out see who's the who's the stronger woman yeah you never know i mean it's it's kind of funny we always you know when we're talking about fights whether it was on the the podcast or before that it just seems like whenever you have two grapplers they always seem to strike whenever you have two strikers they somehow end up on the ground it's just uh it's it's a weird trope that happens in mma um correction here i just went on sure dog which is usually more reliable than the ufc's website and maverick is eight and two with a 63 percent submission percentage of her wins Um, so it seems the UFC website has, uh, incorrect information on her record, but just wanted to put that out there. Uh, still though, um, it's, it stands, she has the majority of her wins by submission and so does Robertson. So I think that'll be interesting. Uh, for those of you betting on the fight, the, uh, betting lines currently Maverick at a negative, uh, minus 167 on, uh, favorite and Robertson at the plus 34, 134, uh, underdog. So pretty tight betting lines in that fight. Not as tight as the previous one, but, uh, Seems as though the odds makers are kind of in our boat. They're not really sure how this one's going to pan out for either fighter. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, Maverick is younger. Uh, she's only 23. She seems to be on a bit of a streak here and a four-fight win streak. So uh, I'm, I'm not going to give a prediction on this one because I'm not sure how it's going to go. But I would not be surprised if the uh, seemingly uh, younger and more energized fighter gets the win in this one. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I, actually, I'm going to go a little bit further than you. I'm going to say that uh, I think Miranda will will win. Like you said, she has that streak. She has that confidence. And I just think um, she, I'm, I'm very excited to see if they do stand. I, I, I honestly hope so. Now I'm actually getting excited about this fight. Because <laughs> if they want to prove, like, if the 
if the new up-and-comer wants to prove something, this is their chance because if they go to the ground, they're going into each other's uh, a wheelhouse, and I, I don't, I don't know if they will. I think uh, this will be a, a true test of guts, you know. So I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, this will be a really interesting fight. And just looking at uh, Jillian Robertson's record here. She's only 25, you know, so as much as experience she has, she, exactly, she's, you know, she's been in the UFC since 2017 after, uh, after winning the Ultimate Fighter. Um, that is true, and that she's is had true. plenty of experience in the UFC, so um, if there's anyone that can pull off the, uh, the, the veteran win, despite the fact she has a, a pretty poor record um, in comparison to Maverick, I mean, it, it'll be her. She's, she's definitely faced some, some very good competition in the UFC, and will try her best to take away um, the hype of, of Maverick's four-fight win streak. But, um, yeah, interesting. Uh, I, I I hope Maverick wins for your prediction to be proved true, but uh, that should be an interesting <laughs> fight. Um, next fight on the docket, I think one of the most interesting of the night, and um, the, the one that's going to... The Sugar Show, exactly. One that's going to draw a ton of eyes. Uh, Sugar Sean O'Malley versus um, versus Thomas Almeida. Um, both of these guys are coming off losses. O'Malley taking his first loss, sitting at a 12-1 record, uh, losing to Marlon Vera in 2020. And Thomas Almeida on a three-fight losing streak. Um, and before that, uh, that one win, um, also lost to Cody Garbrandt by knockout as well. So he's lost four of his last five. Whereas O'Malley, of course, is at that twelve and one previously undefeated record. Um, should be a very interesting fight to see O'Malley come back from that first loss, which he really doesn't seem to be addressing. Um, he's calling himself twelve and zero. So interesting to hear your thoughts on this seemingly striking battle. Yeah, no, Sean. Sean seems to completely, completely deny what happened that night. He doesn't see it as really a show of anything he he just thinks it was a a blip on the radar and he's just gonna keep moving forward with all the confidence in the world like not that he needed any more confidence but it it honestly seems that he's more confident with this fight than he was the last um i think uh i i honestly believe that even though he's super cocky and maybe people don't uh like that i think he's gonna come out with the win I would agree. I would agree. I think um, despite the fact that Sean O'Malley gets a lot of hate and has since that loss, and uh, I, I think to a certain extent he's dismissing that loss because he control people, because he has an online presence. He does stream on Twitch as well as have, has quite a big Instagram following. He's a little bit of a character. He is a character, right? And I think he plays into that. He plays into that uh, idea of like the Floyd Mayweather being the guy that um, people like to hate. Um, because it sells tickets, and you know what? There's a reason why he's uh, two fights before a heavyweight title fight. It's because the guy draws butts and seats. Well, right now maybe not, but uh, it still stands. He does have an audience, whether they're fans or they they want to see him lose. The guy's striking is is very very good, very good. Uh, it's very unorthodox. He throws a lot of really good feints. He stands um, he stands kind of uh, flat on his feet. Uh, if you want to think of a comparison, Israel Adesanya. Not to his striking level, I would say, but uh, in terms of the feints, in terms of the way he sets up unorthodox attacks, similar in that regard, um, versus Almeida, who's a very Muay Thai-based striker. You know, he, he has a very tight high guard, 
Um, he throws the typical Muay Thai combinations, um, and a lot of his wins um, have come from uh, very, you know, kind of that orthodox um, uh, style that Muay Thai brings. Whereas O'Malley's very, very much that that new school kind of wide karate stance striker. So I, I think he's going to pull it off. I'm completely on the same page with you. I think first or second uh, second round. I if if I was a betting man um, and that the the odds were good for a first round KO, I would put my money on that. I think Sean O'Malley is. Uh, has the power and the speed at this division to really put a lot of guys out. And I, I think he matches up very well against Almeida's style. I, I would like to add that, um, like you said, that he does stand um, somewhat flat-footed is what, uh, is what I heard you say. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, if that's the case and he doesn't change that too much, um, I think uh, that might be like a, a path to victory for Almeida, at least throw some kicks. because. If you just look at that last fight, whether you want to, you know, deny it or, you know, push it under the rug, the kicks do seem to be what uh, caused the injury, the freak injury, uh, at least trigger it to some degree. So if t- if Almeida wants to go somewhere, it would I think it would be to the legs. And I think that could be uh, his path to victory. And let's not... Uh, Let's not count him completely out because he he does have plenty of experience. So maybe that that veteran uh, that veteran background will, will help him analyze his opponent and realize that but he has a path to victory there. For sure, and I think that's an important thing you pointed out is Sean O'Malley's had two leg, leg injuries in his, in his short career. One of them causing a loss to Marlon Vera, and another one potentially causing a loss earlier on. Uh, I forget the gentleman's name. Uh, uh, forgive me for that. But um, in both of those fights, uh, he he had leg injuries, and right. one of them was caused by a leg kick. Another one was caused by like an awkward step backward. So if you're Almeida, you're a typical Muay Thai guy. Throw those leg kicks. Yeah, exactly. Work the body, work the legs. Um, O'Malley's a guy that moves around a lot. So you you want to take away his movement. You want to take away his mobility. Your path victory is definitely your path to victory is definitely through that leg and body work, um, especially because of how fast O'Malley's hands are. Um, another person, another comparison that comes to mind in terms of striking style would be Conor McGregor. In fact, O'Malley uh, lists McGregor as one of his um, biggest inspirations as to why he was a fan of the sport. Exactly. Wide karate stance, very nice twos, very nice straight. Um, and and so uh, pinpoint accuracy. Saw, exactly pinpoint accuracy. But just as we saw Conor McGregor lose due to leg kicks, that that wide karate stance can pose a lot of problems because you you fail it. It doesn't bode well to checking uh, low calf kicks or, uh, in certain circumstances, even uh, kicks behind the knee or behind the thigh. So that could that could definitely pose issues, and no one should count out Almeida because of that path to victory and his previous experience in the UFC. Great. Um, yeah, so I think that's a very interesting fight. Again, I'm going to go uh, O'Malley by first-round KO. Uh, on to the co-main events. Yes. We have Tyron Woodley versus Vicente Luque. Uh, Woodley at a record of 19-6-1, of course, former UFC uh, UFC welterweight champion, and Luque at 19-7-1. So very similar records with the uh, exception of one loss. Um, Woodley has lost his last three fights since uh, losing the belt to Usman in 2019. 
and uh, Luke is on a two-fight win streak and eight and one in his last nine fights. Uh, that one loss coming to Stephen Thompson in 2019. Um, yeah, first first thoughts about this fight and uh, and the betting odds. Well, I think me and you can agree that um, Woodley is definitely fighting for his uh, UFC career right now. I think that was a big uh, narrative. A lot of people in the media were asking him about it. And obviously, as a fighter, you don't want to get, uh, you don't want to just get too down on yourself or put unnecessary thoughts in your head. But it is, it is the truth that um, he could be fighting for his career right now. And uh, I would like to hear what you, you have to say about that, too. Yeah, I think it's interesting because you have this narrative being put forward when when Woodley was the champion by people like Joe Rogan. This guy's potentially the best welterweight of all time. Look at the yeah. guys he's beat. Stephen Thompson, uh, he's beaten Damian Maya, things like that. Tyron Woodley's beaten some very, very good fighters in this sport. That's the, you know, we cannot brush past that. He was much younger when that happened. I believe he's 37 or 38 now. Okay, so he's probably out of his athletic prime. He, I would say he's an absolute genetic specimen. The guy, you just look at him, he looks like a you superhero. Look at him. Yeah. Um, so I, I think he probably does better in his in his later career than most fighters, but I would agree. He's fighting for his career in this fight. You know, people are counting him out. Not to mention the last three fights, the way he lost them. They're not they're not typical losses. Every single fight he was taking a back step. He never landed any substantial strikes on any of his opponents. And for the most part, he was dominated. I, I would say that there's an argument to be made that all the rounds he fought, he lost. He hasn't won, won a single round since he beat Darren Till in 2018. So um, it, he, he is fighting for his life here in the UFC. To, to be completely fair, he did fight like, the top, like, top, like three guys that uh, are like champion or championship level. Kamar Usman, Gilbert Burns, Colby Covington. All very all killers in that division, right? But yeah, he hasn't shown he hasn't shown much of that old Tyron Woodley, that explosive guy that that we all that maybe not everyone fell in love with, but we all respected. Um, yeah, that's a great way to put it. Like he it's, just, it's just uh, it's just, I it's a little bit unfortunate, but I, I think. This fight will show because I think he has the skill. I think he has the potential. Even though he is a little bit on the older side, like you said, he is a genetic freak. Um, I I really think the thing that's holding him back is his mentality. I think that's like ninety percent of it is just hit him in his own head. Uh, he needs to get out of his own head and just move forward. Uh, I did hear some good things um, from him during when he spoke to the media. He's a bit more focused on uh, himself. He's uh, not trying to prove others wrong. He's trying to prove uh, himself and the people who do uh, care about him right. He's not trying to prove thousands of people wrong. You know, he's just he's just uh, buckling down and trying to win this fight. Yeah, I think you, you pointed a very important aspect of, of Woodley's, uh, trope of Woodley's career here. His mentality, right? His mentality. He is such a good wrestler, has carried so much power in his hands, and it seems like the one thing he can never get over is what people say about him and what goes on in his head. The first thing 
that he said after uh, Usman beat him on the on the walk back. Usman beat him all five rounds. It was a unanimous decision. Um, I remember the camera going on him, and he said, I can't believe that just happened to me. I can't believe that just happened to me. And it's like, that didn't just... That, that didn't, didn't just happen well. to you. Right? Like, that didn't just happen to you. Like, you... It was like it was like he was shocked that um like he was like the victim in it and it's just like you're you're a fighter you know what i mean it's not you're you're not a you're not a victim you're you're doing a handshake deal to fight in in an octagon and you didn't show up of and that's course. been the, that's it been was the almost like the last three fights sorry that's okay all you all you it was almost like he uh he put himself on a pedestal like you were saying like uh he he was just how could this happen to me? It's just such a, it's such a strange, almost um, conceited thing to say. It, it's just, it, it was definitely a, um, a premonition to say the least. But uh, ho- hopefully, he can come back and prove uh, and prove us wrong. Even though that's not what it's about. That's not what he said it was about. But hopefully, he can do that. Yeah, and you know, I think, uh, I think the one positive we're seeing with Woodley lately is he's more active than he usually was when he was a champion. He was he was pretty pretty inactive, we'll be honest. Yeah, um, he seems to be fighting more often. He he also seems to have a bit of a, a different mentality, which I, I really appreciate. He is a genetic specimen. He does have the wrestling the top wrestling pedigree. He does have absolute dynamite in his hands. Um, and so even though Vicente Luque is the favorite in this fight which i think rightfully so we can't count woodley out now how do i think this this fight plays out i think woodley does what he always does he backs up to the cage basically has one foot touching the cage and circles around the cage looking for his opportunity to land that big right hand i think the problem with that against luke luke is a pressure fighter he's one of the most entertaining fighters in the in the ufc uh, because he doesn't take a back step he constantly presses forward with very heavy leg kicks um, he mixes it up well, and he's not afraid to take a shot to give one. And so he's going to have a uh, Tyron Woodley's going to have a very tough time with the pressure of Luke. If you look at the last three fights, the reason why uh, Tyron Woodley lost uh, lost him, I would argue, other than the mentality, is the fact that he got lost in the chaos. Colby Cummings yeah. brought it on him the entire time. Kamaru Usman brought it on him the entire time. Gilbert Burns caught him with a huge shot early, and he could never recover. So he kind of wilts under this uh, this uh, crazy pressure, and if he doesn't catch Luke with a big right hand, I think this could be a, a very similar fight to those other fights. I, w- I would like to add, though, that this is a very interesting thing uh, about this fight is that it's only three rounds. The other yeah. fight that he's been in the the past uh, the past three um, have been the the ones that he's lost have been five rounds, and. He has been concerned about his cardio in the past. That's why maybe he like that. Not maybe. That's why he has been uh, a slow fighter, always looking for that one big shot. But maybe in this fight, he doesn't have to worry about that as much. And I think he should use that to his to his advantage and explode a little bit more often. It's only three rounds, and he has an opportunity here. He has to take. Very good point. Very good point. Um, Woodley's last three-round fight, by the way, January 31st, 2015 versus Kelvin Gastelum. 
Yeah. Every <laughs> fight since then has been a five-round <clears throat> fight. Maybe they haven't lasted that long. The Robbie Lawler victory comes to mind, but um, they've all been booked for five rounds. So, yeah, I think when when you're like Woodley and you have you carry so much muscle mass around, large concern is your your ability to conserve your gas tank. These skinnier guys tend to be able to go longer and throw more strikes, similar to Luke's build. I might add. That's why he's, I might add. That's why he seems to be so active. Maybe. Um, but yeah, if if it's three rounds, I mean, if you're Woodley and you're very explosive, you're you're putting it all out there. I would think. Uh, yeah, I think he should just put it all out there man it's just he has uh like everything to lose yeah pretty much like we said he's fighting for his life he's on a three fight skid and uh and and who knows you know if, if he loses this fight maybe maybe we never even uh remember tyron woodley as the welterweight champ at a given time because of usman's dominance so definitely a big fight um but i think we've talked about that fight quite a bit the only fight left on the card the main event Stipe Miocic versus Francis Ngannou 2, a rematch of uh, their fight in t- January 2018, where Stipe walked away with a major or, uh, a unanimous decision victory. Stipe Miocic is 20-3, and uh, and Ngannou is 15-3. and um, Stipe's keys to victory in the first fight were his boxing and his wrestling. Uh, he Took some big shots from Francis early on, but Francis really gassed out after that first round, and Miocic was really able to impose his will after that point, um, landing some nice combinations on Nganu, as well as beginning to take him down really at, at any point he wanted to. Um, so I, I do think this is a very different fight, but I think there's some interesting narratives that are being played in this fight that maybe don't represent the reality, and uh, I'd like for you to go into that if you can, Andreas. Yeah, one one big narrative is that uh, Francis Ngannou has well, both of the fighters that like um, everyone's saying have improved, and I can say I can completely agree with that in terms of Stipe Miocic. But the narrative that Francis Ngannou has improved exponentially, or you know, like uh, has made a huge leap, is a little bit strange to me because. There have there hasn't been many examples of that. I mean, to be fair, it's not to his it's not his fault. It's not Francis's fault because he absolutely obliterates everyone who like everyone other than Stipe Miocic. So, but um, it's just it's just a little bit strange to me because I think the the um, the narrative that oh he's improved he's improved there's a new Francis a new Francis a new Francis has been thrown out so many times and I'm just sitting here like where is he you know like <laughs> I would like yeah. to hear what you have to say about that because I mean personally I I, I do I, I want to take the guy's word because you know he's a fighter and he seems like a very genuine guy and I I do believe he probably has improved I don't doubt that but saying that like he's improved to a whole nother level i don't know about that one yeah i i think it's you know it's it's interesting because okay stipe is older than ngani by about five years and ganu's comparatively to stipe uh despite their relatively similar similar records five fights or so uh five fight difference or so um francis is way more fresh to the sport and i think people that you know we see that with anything in life the uh, your early on your progression in terms of your skills is is almost exponential, and then it begins to taper off a little bit. So Ngannou yeah. has probably grown comparatively to Stipe in the same amount of time, 
uh, more, I would say, just by the nature of him doing this for a less, lesser amount of time. Right. However, the, the narrative that um, Nganu has improved vastly, and this is a drastically different fight, I don't think is necessarily the case. You look at Stipe's keys to victory and Francis's keys to victory, they're the same thing. Stipe's keys to victory, avoid the large shots, wear on Nganu using his wrestling, uh, possibly clinching up and using using his boxing, try to extend this fight out as long as possible. Nganu, try to catch him early, look for Stipe's mistakes. That's the exact same narrative that was getting played in the first fight. And I think those, uh, those keys to victory still hold true today. Um, so I think... When people say this is a drastically different fight, there's definitely elements of it that are very different. Francis looks to be in um, in better shape. He looks like he, he has less body fat. However, he does weigh the same uh, same weight as the first fight. He weighed in at 263, uh, Miocic weighing in at 234. 29-pound difference between the two gentlemen. But I just I do think uh, it's, it's relatively the same um, uh, in terms of the keys to victory. Now... We got the best heavyweight of all time versus the hardest puncher on earth. Uh, who do you think wins this fight and why? I I, I can't go against uh, Stipe Miocic. It's just <clears throat> it, it it just see it would it would seem like blasphemy at this point. He's always been the underdog for whatever reason. Even he, he's constantly having to prove people to prove like he has to prove why he's the champ. Um. I just, I just see it going the same, not completely the same way as the first fight where Francis uh, is completely gassed, and it almost looks like in the first fight when Francis gassed, he it almost seemed like he didn't even know like like why he was there. He seemed lost in the in the in the cage, and I don't think that's going to happen again. I think uh, his gas tank will be a little bit better, but. Like you said, it's a very similar. It's a very similar fight. Um, if he if Miocic uh, drags this out, he has a greater chance of winning. If if uh, Francis wants to win, he has to hit him hard in the early rounds. Um, but yeah, I just think I think Stipe Miocic has proven time and time again that he's able to overcome adversity. Because let's say that Francis has improved. And there is um, there's something a, a new tr- uh, a new trick up his sleeve. I think uh, Stipe can uh, adapt to that. He's shown that in the DC fights. Uh, that in in the second DC fight, it was looking relatively the same as the as the first one. To be fair, but um, Miocic adapted with those body shots, and then he came out on top. And in the third fight, he he adapted before he even uh, entered the cage. He he lost a lot of uh, um, weight. He was coming in much lighter, and he just he just game planned so well for DC. So personally, I'm going with the champ, and still, and still, and still. Okay. Uh, and you know what? The odds makers don't agree with you right now. Uh, at least uh, people aren't. Betting on the yeah, Ochoa's fight. <laughs> uh, there's a minus. Uh, Ingonu is currently the minus one thirty favorite. Uh, Miocic's the plus one ten underdog. Um, when I think of Stipe Miocic, I think of a winner. I think of somebody that really he does whatever it takes to win. 
Um, you look at the first DC fight, he gets caught with a massive shot. The second DC fight, like you said, very one-sided for DC, seems to be losing. In the fourth round, after 15 minutes of grueling fighting has already gone on, he makes a huge adjustment with those body shots and knocks DC out in the same round. This guy is willing to do whatever it takes to win, he, and I he think he takes... He's a champion, and I think he takes a lot of the trash talk um, to heart. Not in a way that like Woodley does, for example, but in a sense that he's always got something to prove. You know, he's that. Uh, I think he represents Ohio well and Cleveland well because he's that working man. He's never finished. It seems like, and like you said, he's always. It seems like the fan base. Um, he always has something to prove to them. And uh, if I if I had to guess, I think this fight either goes Stipe Miocic by decision. Uh, by the first, like the first fight, or in Ganu by round one knockout. Now, nah, if if I had to, if I had to bet, I would I would bet Stipe by decision. Um, I I think Ngannou has tons of ways to win this fight, and I, I really like both gentlemen, and I hate to see one of them one of them lose because of both yes. their stories and the people that they are. I think they're amazing human beings, but uh, I, I think Stipe is just the better all around fighter here, and he's avoided Ngannou's wild punches once, and I think he, I think he has his number now. I, I would like to say that uh, Francis's uh, attitude towards, um, I guess the like his more recent fights, I think uh, is a good sign. He especially this fight, like the the difference between the first fight and this fight, how he's acting and how he's presenting himself is very different. In the first fight, he seemed very um, on top of the world. Um, which obviously he he was on top of the world. He knocked every single heavyweight he faced. Uh, he just he just knocked him to the ground, made it look easy, and he was he was the king. He was the king at that time. But uh, he was he was in overly cocky. But with this fight, it doesn't seem like he's coming in overly cocky. He seems to be calm and calculated. He's confident. He's confident in his abilities, and he wants to prove uh prove people wrong but he's not he's not he's not as cocky and i i like that i think um it it from what it seems it's boding well for francis in terms of attitude but i i i still think that stipe is just too big of a of a hill to climb and yeah that's that's just the way i think it's gonna go yeah i think um one, I saw a press conference this week, and Ngannou was asked, um, "Do you think you were the best uh, UFC knockout artist in yeah, the history of the sport?" And he said, "I don't care about that at all. It doesn't even cross my mind. All I want is that belt." Right. And Stipe has it, and I'm going to do my best to take it. Like, that's me. great. That's great if you're a Francis Ngannou fan. For I sure. Think, right. For sure, because think about the first fight. You got Dana going, "Oh, this guy hits harder than a Ford Escort," and all this, and talking talking about how uh, hard and Ganu hits. You know, you've only been in the sport for a couple of years. You have one loss on your record, which was by decision. You've never been finished before, which he still hasn't, I, I should say. But um, you're on top of the world, like you said. And he was he, his ego was just uh, through the roof. It seemed, and he seems extremely humble in this fight. I listened to the Joe Rogan podcast with him that it came out about a month ago, I believe. Um, and he just seems like 
he's in a completely different mindset altogether. He looks at his losses in a very productive manner. And I think that mindset will have led him to grow, uh, to grow tremendously from those fights. And I'm just super excited to see uh, the fight that these gentlemen put on tomorrow night. I think it's Stipe's toughest test uh, thus far. And that's saying a lot, considering those DC fights really did take a lot out of him. Exactly. Took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> Great, man. Well, I think we've covered everything uh, Everything we wanted to cover. If you don't have any other final comments or, or concerns, I think we can wrap it up. Yes, sir. I think, uh, I think that's all I have to say. Great. Well, buddy, um, enjoy the fights tomorrow if I don't talk to you. And thanks a lot, man. That was a lot of fun. It was great talking to you. I'll see you next week.